Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, and I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. Dear 20-something started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful woman they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts we process internally, Dear 20-something is a space where listeners can hear insights, ask questions, and ultimately get advice from the woman they most admire. Today on the show, I am so excited to be chatting with Glozel Green. Glozel Green, the queen of YouTube, as she's better known, is a classically trained performer and hugely popular internet personality. She's performed at the world-famous Comedy Store, The Laugh Factory, and other venues, appeared on Showtime at the Apollo, the Steve Harvey Talent Show, the Dr. Oz Show, 2020, MTV, and Be Strong, has been featured in Ebony Magazine, Cosmopolitan, People, and on ABC News, and has even interviewed President Obama at the White House. Glazelle established her YouTube channel in 2008 with video interviews, comedy about her life, and song parodies. By 2015, the channel had accumulated more than 4 million subscribers and more than 700 million total views. Her most popular videos include her Cinnamon Challenge video, which I'll say is my personal favorite, which has accumulated more than 58 million views, and the Cup Song video with more than 29 million views. Eager to entertain, dedicated to making people laugh, comedian and video superstar Glazel Green is game for any challenge, no matter how silly, gross, or absurd. Her crazy video stunts have propelled her into the ranks of legendary funny ladies, such as Ellen DeGeneres, Whoopi Goldberg, Tina Fey, Carol Burnett, Lucille Ball, and Phyllis Diller, and made her an inspiring icon for a new generation. I can't wait to chat with her and share her story with you now on Dear 20-something. Please welcome... Glozel Green. Hello, this is Glozel. Is you okay? Is you good? Because I want to know. I love what you said about me. I'm like, wow, that's all true. I sound so important. I appreciate you so much. You are important. That's why you sound important. Well, I'm so happy to chat with you. Very cool to hear you say, is you okay? Live on the show. Your signature <laughs> phrase. And you've been here on Fireside before, right? This is not your first time. This is not my first time. It's my first time with you. I'm excited. I'm like, ooh, twin is. That was a while ago, but it is so true. Like what you do in your 20s is really good base to set you up for the rest of your life. So it's very important years. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm super excited to dig in. And like you said, it's the foundation, right? And I feel like it takes time to look back and say, I learned this, I learned that, but it is absolutely very important. And that's what we talk about here. So before we get into your 20s, which I'm super excited to chat about, we do like to start every show with a fun and kind of light question. So what is something new that you learned in this past week? It could be a book or something funny, business, a conversation. But yeah, I'm down to hear it. Sounds like you already have something. Yes, yes, yes. Because today I've learned to make rice. I've never made rice like from scratch. It's always been like microwavable rice. I've been scared of rice because it's so intimidating. It's like you cook it after you turn off the heat. So I'm like, I don't know the timing on this. I don't know. So I did my first rice because I have a lot of rice for some reason. And I'm like, yeah, I think it's time to learn this. So it tastes good. It's not one crunchy. You know, I'm very proud of myself. I made rice. It was white rice. Tasty. I'm so proud of you. I will say, I think that's a very important skill. I unfortunately still am in the microwavable rice camp. It's just too easy, you know, to pop in for a few minutes. 
But do you feel like it tasted better or worse than microwavable rice or you can't tell the difference? Well, I feel like it tastes better, but I was proud of myself because I'm telling you, for some reason, I'm like, I don't get it. You, you put it in and then you turn it up and then you turn it off and that's when it cooks. I'm like, forget it. So I've avoided this thing forever. But now I, I have a five-year-old and it seems like I'm always buying rice and the microwavable rice is like a cup in there. You know, it's good for one person too, but like, but I'm making it all the time. So I'm like, I need to make a big batch. And that way, so yeah, I'm feeling like cool mom right now. I can make rice. I love that. I'm a big fan. Are you a cook normally or? Girl, no, no, I cannot cook at all. And I'm a third generation non-cooker. I attempt it. People don't die from my cooking, but they're not like, ooh, can you make that again? Oh, can I have some seconds? I totally hear you. That's so funny. I'm really not a cooker either. Do you have any aspirations to become one? Or do you just kind of feel like I'm set as I am? I don't want to learn. Maybe just little things like rice, but that's it. I feel like I'm supposed to know this. And I'm like, well, I made it this far and it's okay. The goal is to make enough money so that I can get good quality food, you know, that's healthy that someone else makes but I need to know how to make the staples. My mom can't cook and her mother couldn't cook. Like I remember if someone had to go to the hospital and I'm like, yes, cafeteria food. Yes, it's going to taste so good. Or back in the day, the planes, if you flew on a plane, they were like, uh, it wasn't good food, but I always enjoyed it because it was better than my mom's. That's a pretty low bar. It, it's true. Like the, I'm like the hospital food and the plane food was better at home. And so now I have a daughter and she's like, it's just chicken nuggets and, and pizza. That's what she likes. So I'm like, I've got to be better. So I started buying rice and doing this. And I'm like, okay, I got to move up my game. So this is a huge move up. Well, I'm very proud of you. This sounds awesome. I'm sure your rice is tasty and you're inspiring me. I do think I fall in your camp too, but maybe I will change one day. Maybe I will make some rice and that I'll turn a corner. You can do it. My uncle used to make really good rice, but I think he, they took him off the box. Mr. Ben, Uncle Ben, y'all... We don't make it no more. So I had to step up for my peoples. Exactly. And you're a mama now. So you want to take care of her and make her good food, which we'll get into in a little bit. Well, thank you for sharing your fun facts. I love it. They're always very different amongst all our guests. But making rice is the first I've heard. And it is a very good one. So thank you. <laughs> I posted it everywhere. I know people are like, but you know what was interesting? A lot of people are intimidated by rice. I was like, I'm just going to post it. Everybody's going to think I'm crazy. I was like, no, I never tried to make it. Or I only use boil in the bag or just microwave. But like, okay. All right. I'm just saying. It's out there for you. It's definitely controversial. People have opinions around it for sure. Well, thank you again for coming on. I'm so excited to dive in and learn all about your 20s. But before we do that, I do think we have to start at the very beginning to learn a little bit more about your childhood. So when you were younger... What did you want to be when you were older? Did you know you were going to be a performer? Yes, always. But when I was younger, I wanted to be a tooth fairy. Oh, my mom was like, oh, you can't say that. But I was like, it seems like it's fun. You're flying around, giving people money, making them happy. That aspect, you know, wearing a tutu, just fly. I was like, that's pretty cool. So I would say that. And my mom's like, no, you need to say a corporate lawyer. I'm like, okay, well, let, guess what? I'm much closer to being a tooth fairy than a corporate lawyer. I'm in people's homes. I make people laugh. It, it's all good. Yeah. And for, when I think of a tooth fairy, I don't know why I think of Tinkerbell for some reason. And like you have the same green vibe, right? So I can see it. Yeah. So that's what I'm into. I've always was into just sparkly and fun. And you want to be just just have a good time. 
I never was a really deep, deep, serious type of person. I'm always like a kuna matata, you know, it's all good. Which is something that, that if there's the one thing that drives someone's crazy about me is that, you know, there's always a bright side and that, you know, sometimes people get mad at me for that because it's like, come on. Some people just want to be, I want to be mad right now. I just want to be angry. I'm like, it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think your optimism has led to a lot of your success because you're able to look at the bright side? Like, do you feel like, yeah, maybe some people get mad at you about that, but maybe that actually is your superpower, right? Oh my goodness. Yes, you're right. That is my superpower because in this business, a lot of people feel like it's talent and I happen to have talent. Yes. But I also learned there's a lot of people who just keep going. You might watch a movie or a commercial or something you're like, they weren't good, but you don't know what they did to get there. Like they kept showing up to the auditions. They kept knocking on the door, so to speak, and they were still there. So I, it is a superhero, a superpower to keep going and knowing that one day, one day, one day, one day, you know, when your overnight success takes 10, 20 years. When I was in my 20s, there was no YouTube. So I didn't aspire to be YouTube. I aspired to make people laugh and have fun and have a good time. So when YouTube came along, then I, it was a perfect match because I'm like, oh, girl, you can stay at home and watch me. I was doing the comedy clubs and that's not where my love was because it's dark, it's late at night. And I'm more of a, hey, la, la, la. You know, I was like a Sesame Street type of comedian compared to others. When you think of Lucy Ball, you think of her being physical, not just standing there in front of a microphone. You know, so that's more of my style. That's such a great point. And it's interesting you say that because it is like the late night comedy stand-up thing is a little bit more like even just being dark outside. It's the evening. It's really hard. And so you wanting to kind of be in the day and be more optimistic and to be a little bit more bright and different and physical, like you said, probably is what made you stand out and made you go to YouTube when all the other, you know, stand-up comedians or improv comedians weren't necessarily doing that. And so not only, like you said, your persistence because you were optimistic, but also maybe you were a little bit of like a different comedian because you wanted to be in the day. You wanted to be more physical. You wanted it to be more bright. Exactly right. And my audience always tend to skew younger. In the comedy club, you want to get five minutes, 10 minutes, and you have to bring your audience there. If you can bring 10 people, then you get five minutes and then you get bumped. And I've been bumped by the greatest. Bumps means there's a big comedian that's come in and now... You don't have your time. But what happens to your 10 people that came in? You know, they're not going to buy the two drink minimum and do the valet parking again. And you might be bumped. But I was bumped by Robin Williams. I've been bumped by Jamie Foxx. I've been bumped by um, Marlon Wayne. So I'm like, I've been bumped by the greatest. But still, so when YouTube came around, I'm like, this comedy club thing, that's just not for me, you know. But I, kudos to those people who are like, yes, I like that. That late night, I like that part. But mine has always been, I've been a clean comic. And so that's, it's great that now when I go to the comedy club, people know who I am and you know what to expect. You've also found your own lane, which I think there's no one else like you, you know? And I think that that's so special, really, because I think with any industry, right? It doesn't, doesn't just have to be performing like comedy and acting and, but even like in business and in medicine and things like to be really great, you have to be different. So people will see you and notice you. And I think, like you said, you know, you realized it wasn't your thing and then you did something about it. And obviously you found YouTube and you found great success from there. So you say when you were a child, you wanted to be the tooth fairy, which don't we all? I love that. But you always knew you were going to be a performer. Was it that you liked making people laugh and you liked performing for them? Was it that you always knew you were funny? 
or that you maybe that you wanted to always be your own boss, right? I think that's another thing about performers. Like a lot of the times they kind of go from gig to gig. What about it when you were younger? We can even say up till high school was calling your name. What about it seemed really exciting for you? What was exciting about being a performer to me was that the fact that I always had an audience. When I was talk, people were like, you're so funny. So it wasn't something that I consciously thought because I'm thinking I need to be a corporate lawyer. My dad was a pharmacist. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a pharmacist. That's what you do. There was nobody like that's just singing and dancing and doing comedy. Like I said, there was no YouTube or anything like that. So yes, it was very interesting when you're people are telling you what you are. Like it just exudes from me. Like, like you are a comedian. Why are you in, why are you taking all these science classes? I'm like, why am I? You know, cause I'm like the neck bone connected. I'm making everything funny. You know, I'm still performing. Cause no matter where you drop me, that's what I'm doing. So it got to the point of like, this is my calling and nobody can tell you what your calling. You gotta go, okay, this is it. Like my parents tried to tell me that because you know, hey, this is great. This is successful. But that wasn't me. I would still be in college trying to figure out the pharmacy. Well, they probably would have kicked me out by then. Trying to do pharmacy stuff like, no, that's not it for me. And also you said about being a boss. I wanted to perform and always wanted to grab people with me. But you know how hard you're willing to work. I'm a person that's on time. I'm going to be there on time. A lot of times I got on stage because the real heavy hitters, the, the funny, funny ones, they weren't on time. They weren't there. So I got time on stage. So you do what you can do when you can do it. My, my thing was like, okay, I do my set. I'm funny and I, I'm clean. I don't curse. I don't smoke. I don't, you know, I've never had coffee, but I know what I can do. And eventually your, your tribe is going to find you. You're going to find your tribe. And like you said, as long as you're consistent and you're optimistic and punctual, I love the punctual. I'm an on-time person too. I'm like, Maybe one minute late, some one to two minutes late, but I really try to be on time. I love that. I had a nun tell me that you have five minutes. So, Sister Mary, Margaret, okay, five minutes. So now I'm like, okay, you got five minutes. That's it. That's a good rule of thumb. So you are in college, right? So you want to be a performer and then you decide to go to college and you decide to actually study it. I know you mentioned dabbling potentially still in pharmacy stuff. Can you tell me a little bit more about your college experience and if you had, like you said, any other dabbles in other careers or when you really committed to being a performer? Yes, I went to the University of Florida, Go Gators. And what I loved about them is that I like music and I like theater. They had a musical theater program. I was like, okay, so maybe my parents will go for that. At that point, they were like, just go to college. Okay, if you finish God bless you. That's great. Because I'm like, I want to perform. You know, they didn't want me to just like run off with the circus type of thing. So I did go and I graduated. I got a BFA in musical theater. What I learned in college is very interesting. I don't want to be discouraging to anyone, but it's like so many things have changed since my teachers were in school, since I was in school. So you kind of have to be out there auditioning to know what's going on. When I started off, you brought your headshot and my headshot was black and white. Why do we have a black and white headshot when we have color film? You know, it took a long time for that to change. And now you, I'm doing auditions and I'm not even in the room anymore. We're all because of COVID. What you, you never want to send in a tape, so to speak, a tape. It's not a tape anymore. But now I prefer it. I'm like, this is great. You know, you don't have to go in and see all the people. 
that could beat you out, you know, because I don't want to sound, um, I don't know, snobbish or anything. But at my level, I'm I'm auditioning with people who you know, who you recognize. And I'm like, oh, I know she's going to get the job. I just saw her on this. She just won the Emmy for that. She just did that. that. Oh, here we go. And you love these people. You admire these people and you're friends with them. I will say that is an amazing problem to have because that means that you've really made it and that, you know, you're at a different stage of your career. And I know when you were just getting started, it wasn't like that as much, you know, it was harder, but it's interesting to hear you say that times have changed so much. And maybe if you were growing up today, maybe you wouldn't have gone to school. Do you think that that would have been a different outcome? Or do you think that that was really important to your parents and therefore really important to you? Going to college was really important to not only to my parents, but to me, I just wanted to go in something that I wanted to do because I would have, um, we would have speakers at school or you go to some community and someone's standing in front of you telling you you need to go to school and they hadn't. You know, they, they were successful. It was a basketball player or whatever. And you're like, but they didn't. So why are you telling me I have to? So I figured that if I'm going to stand in front of kids, since I knew that that was going to be my route, like the younger people, I always a connection with kids, even when I was a kid, you know, that I wanted to stand there and say, okay, you go to school, you know, and I did that also. But acting and singing, you know, that's something that you just need to study, not necessarily a, a college, but study, because now you've got YouTube, you've got all these other, you've got other routes. You can be famous all by yourself and never leave your room. It's pretty crazy. Like the TikToks and like you said, YouTube, these people are we forget, but like a Sean Mendez, you know, he got his start on Vine, right? And he was just in his room playing guitar and now he's a huge star. And Justin Bieber. I mean, even you, right? You were a YouTube. Times have definitely changed. It wasn't like that. You had to, you had to have an agent. You had to nail the audition. You had to, like, you don't have to do that. They're coming to me now. You know, that's how I have a great agent and agency and management because of what I've already done by myself. So I want to tell anybody who's in want to do that, that there's nothing stopping you. It's free to post on YouTube. It's free to post on Instagram, TikTok. So do it. You don't have to wait. Because the number one thing now people are asking, well, how many followers you have? You know, like if you're going to be on this project, how many albums are you bringing to this movie? You know, so it's, it's super important now. That's the way it's going. So start. Is that the main advice that you would have for anyone who wants to be a performer, that they should be posting on social media, whatever platform that best speaks to them? But do you feel like that's the number one thing they should be doing now? Number one, because that makes you the boss. Because you said, did you want to be the boss? I'm like, you can be the boss because now people want to buy your T-shirts. They want to, oh, you should come up with your own spices, scent with cinnamon. You should have your own green lipstick because they're looking at you and that you created your own audience. So then here comes the brand deals because you've got eyeballs looking at you. And there you go. People ask you what you want to be when you grow up. Now it's like, what do you want to be? You could do this before, you know, while you're growing up. There's little kids, there's little girls, there's little boys that are beating their face with makeup. They're killing the game. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. doing that. They're skating or doing whatever. They're getting brand deals or just vlogging and people are interested in it. And you don't have to wait till what? Just being monitored by your parents. If you're that young, that's great. And I say, keep it positive. You don't want to start off negative and the shock value works, but you want to be able to maintain it and be invited to the White House. You know what I'm saying? Like if I was just like a nasty person and it just 
have a lot of followers because I'm dogging people all the time, you know, I wouldn't have been invited. Like that was my route. So that's what I tell people to keep it positive and do that. I love this idea. Like imagine President Obama is watching. Would he want to see what you're putting out there? Would it be White House approved? That's hilarious. It's a good point. Because I think, like you said, a lot of people now, because they have access to their phones and they can put anything out there, it, it is sometimes just for, you know, the shock value and not in a positive way. I think that's great advice. So you're in college, you know you want to be a performer, and then now it's your time to go figure it out, go try to make it. What was your first job out of college? And what did you see as your path to making it? Because like you said, YouTube wasn't out yet. So what, what did that path look like for you right out of college? Well, you're in college and you're in musical theater. So everybody has the same dream. You got to go to L.A. and New York. Again, there was no YouTube. You can be in, I don't know, podunk town in the middle of nowhere and be huge because of social media. But then it was uh, California or New York. That's it. That's no, no one shooting anywhere else. So that was the goal to move there. So when I moved, I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to go to a studio. Like when you're in college, you're learning the how to act. You're polishing up that, but not how to get the agent and the management and realizing that, you know, you've got to live. It doesn't matter how talented you are. How are you surviving? So one of my first jobs, I taught anatomy. Ooh, that's awesome. Where did you teach anatomy and how did you learn anatomy? When I was in college, I took these classes because I was supposed to be a pharmacist, but that didn't really, I'm like, I I don't, I can't do that. You know, that's not me. So there's a lot of people out there who I've taught. So, hey, you guys, and and I'm still in touch with them, like, Miss Green, you know, and work at Burke Williams and different places that I, I taught massage therapy to. So that's really cool. And I worked for a chiropractor, anything along those lines. I had my little chair. I've worked at stores where you see like, hey, a dollar for a minute massage. I've done conferences, that kind of thing. That's how I survived that. But the kids, my students would be like, oh, you're so funny, Miss Green. And I'm like, okay. And I would do the comedy clubs at night because you don't get paid. Because you're funny. You know, that's not doing anything for you. So you have to get a job. And fortunately, I was able to get that one. And then it got to the point, I'm like, Mom, I don't know if I'm ever going to make it if I keep doing my regular job. She was like, well, you better, you know, (laughs) you better figure it out. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. So when YouTube came around, that was the perfect vehicle for me. And then I started making money from YouTube and I just, I never left. You found a way to monetize your comedy, which is actually a great point. And unfortunately, some passions and some gifts you can easily monetize and some you just can't. And so, like you said, in your 20s, you were doing all of these odd jobs during the day. And then at the comedy store at night, did you try to do any acting or was there any path to monetizing the comedy or was it really just a passion project outside of your day jobs? It was a passion project because no one knew you could get paid on YouTube. Like everyone thought you were crazy. It's like you need a regular job. When you're watching television, you kind of understand that they're actors. When you're watching a movie, you get it. I would get messages from family members like, you're embarrassing us. What are you doing? I'm disowning you. You're making a fool of yourself. I'm just swimming in a bowl of cereal. But when I was invited to the White House, then all of a sudden that changed, you know, because I wasn't hurting anybody. I was creating my own path and doing what I thought was funny and having a good time. Now, you didn't know that you were going to get paid, but people are looking at you. Whenever you have an audience, you have a way to get paid. 
But I remember when I first got a check for $10 from YouTube, and I was like, what? What? This is amazing. Yeah, you were just doing it for fun. And then all of a sudden you realized you could make money. Thank you for sharing that about family. I mean, I think like people are going to judge you good or bad, whether you're putting out funny stuff that's positive or negative or whatever. As long as you're not hurting anyone, keep going. But you're totally right. And then once it becomes fancy, like the White House, then they're all coming around. Oh, that's so cool. I want to come or that's amazing. Not as ideal. That is true. People who you forgot about, like, remember, I was only there for a week in your kindergarten class. We were so close. You're just like, what? Huh? People will come out of the woodwork then when they feel like you're making money or you're successful. And clearly at the time when you're in the White House with the president, the sitting president, then got so big, so huge, so quickly. So while you're working these jobs and you're working at the comedy store, are you trying to figure out another path or have you just resigned to I'm just going to have these jobs that I enjoy, but it's not my passion and that's just going to be my life. Like if YouTube hadn't come out when it did, did you have something else in mind? Were you content with the life you were living because you were doing your passion project on the side or what was your mindset or what do you think would have happened even if YouTube had not come around when it did? I was not content, no, because I grew up watching sitcoms, you know, and people are not as into TV as before, but that's all we had, TVs or you went to the movies. So I was really thinking success for me was being on a sitcom. And I still very much desire that because that's what I grew up watching. My mom can't find my channel for nothing, but she can turn on the TV. So part of me just feel like if I could just get on a sitcom or something on TV, then I made it in my mom's eyes. I feel like she'd be proud of me because I didn't become a pharmacist. But look, mom, I made it. That's such a real thing. You want your parents to get it. You want them to see it. You want them to understand. And she had this whole path for you. And I can see how maybe it's like you said, hard for her to find your channel. But if you were to be on the big TV screen that she would watch, that that would make it in your eyes. Do you feel like, though, that you have already made it? Or do you feel like there's still a lot more that you want to do? I feel like there's still a lot more that I would like to do. And I'm excited about doing that. And because you still have so much of a reinvention of yourself, you know, like like I've been on YouTube for over a decade now and things have changed and that's fine. You've got to change with it without losing yourself. You don't want to lose what people watched about you, but you still need to keep up, so to speak. So. Yeah, there's constant reinvention. That's such a great point, especially with technology changing so much, even if it's just reinventing what platform you're on, like short form content, long form content, you know, now you're a mom, like so many things are constantly shifting. And so you have to make sure that you're, you're shifting with the times and it gives you the opportunity to. That's exactly right. A hundred percent. I do want to ask you a little bit more of a specific question in terms of your time in Los Angeles trying to make it in acting, trying to make it in comedy. From my research, I saw that you joined the Groundlings, which is a very, very famous improv group and based in LA. Lots of big SNL stars, you know, Will Ferrell, Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, some of my favorites. What was it about that group that drew you? How was performing there? And then I think another big question I have is, how important do you think that type of education is for people who want to go into comedy now? Because I think a lot of our listeners especially the ones who are excited to chat, you know, hear from you, like they are interested in that. They're interested in improv. They're interested in comedy. What is your advice for them? Do you think that education is super important? I think that that education is very important because that's also how you go find your tribe. I will watch TV and I'm like, how does Jerry Seinfeld and this person, how do they all know each other? 
Because they were in classes together. They grew up together. So this is where you coming from wherever to California. Get in a class. Find people who are like-minded. Who have the, y'all write your skits. Now you have a place to put it up. You don't have to only put it up on a stage and beg people to come out. You know, that is a way to do it. And that's great also. But you can put it together and put it on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok for free and get your following that way. So I do believe that going to Groundless was great. I have some really great friends from there. And I recommend get your schooling in California, in New York, wherever you are, because then you have some kind of connection with somebody else in the same town. Not like, oh, you know what? I did a lot in Florida and now I live in California. Well, I I guess I could try to find everybody who is an actor who once lived in Florida. Like, what are you talking about? You know, so... And I had an attitude about it because I'm like, I have a degree. Why am I going to school? What you, what are you going to teach me? You know, but it got to the point like you, okay, you talented by yourself. If you think you're so talented, nobody knows who you are. You need to get out there and then you'll learn something like, oh, this is funny. Let's do this. And you meet this person, you know, now at this point, people are like, how are you hanging out with Ariana Grande and Frankie Grande? How you know JoJo? Like I, I go to different event. I'm waiting to go to an event right now. And you get out there and you meet people and you be good to them. Be nice. And they show up to your things, you show up to theirs. You are networking every single time you post something or when you walk out your house. Every single time. Somebody sees you, somebody knows you. Every time you nice, you hear the stories about, oh my goodness, this waitress was snubbed by this actor, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh my goodness. Wow, you've been brought down by the waitress because you left a penny or you were mean or rude. It starts now because they're going to remember 10 years from now. I remember when so-and-so came in and she was mean to me. I heard that about Justin Bieber's wife. She did something really nice for that person, you know, because people act like you can't have a bad day, but you don't know what was going on with somebody. So every single time. And it's really hard sometimes for my friends or whoever I'm dating to get it, I'm like, you have to watch what you post because my brand is clean. That means they're looking at you. I'm talking to my sister, whoever's around, whoever I post a picture of, like, I need to know that you're part of it. You you kind of in this world with me or not. And that's fine, but I need to know. And I need you to understand this is how it goes. You know, now that people are going to be looking at you, I'm like, oh, okay. They took, they're going to take a picture of you and go like, why? I didn't even see somebody take the Well, they know who you are now because we, we have been together and that's a whole nother world. It's such a good point you make about the tribe too, that what was so great for you about the Groundlings was that you were surrounded by a lot of like-minded people and you found your people. And that now that's still very important that like the people you're surrounding yourself with not only connect you professionally, that's obviously very important. Like you said, you know, don't be in Florida and looking for things in California, but like that they're going to respect you and respect your brand and be there for you. Do you feel like your tribe is everything to you? How do you find your friends now? I mean, I think one thing that I imagine is like once you've kind of made it, like I know you say there's still more to go, but once you've made it, it might be harder to find people and to trust people's intentions. When you quote unquote made it or when people feel like you make it, because there's ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. Especially like when you see on red carpets and everything, that doesn't mean like you're getting paid for that all the time. And people think that it's grander than what it is sometimes. It is much, much, much harder to know someone's intent. Just know for the most part when I meet somebody or someone sends me a message, they want something. So a lot of times I'm like, just tell me what you want. What is it? Is it a shout out? I'm on Cameo. If it's like, 
you want advice? Hey, I'll give it to you. But people want like, I want you to introduce me to your agent. I'm telling you, you're just blowing away all the work that I did and we're just going to walk in there together. It doesn't work that way. And also my agent will look at me like I'm crazy. And I've done that. I'm like, my friend wrote a real a good script. Here, won't you read it? And it doesn't always work out. And then they're mad at you. Just know that when it's your time, it's your time. And don't give up. Yeah, people will try to get in with you. I call it coming out of the woodwork. I'm like, and I told my boyfriend, I'm like, some people going to come out the woodwork. People that you, you've never heard before going to be like, oh, you went close now? Or they're not going to say it at first. And then it's going to come out. And that's cost me relationships too, where you go out with someone's friends and all of a sudden, what was President Obama like? And then, you know, now they're upset. My boyfriend's upset because, you know, now we're talking about me. No, you're totally right. I I like this idea of calling it out for what it is and being like, what do you want? And just being straightforward about it. And hopefully we can all get to a place where we don't have disguised intentions, right? Like that's never fun to be around people where you don't know what they really want from you. But I think the transparency and the honesty is really how you're going to figure it out. So you don't get, you know, blindsided for sure. I do have a question for you about YouTube. So I know we've chatted about your 20s. You had lots of odd jobs, but awesome jobs. And at night, you were really pursuing your passion of comedy. At what age did YouTube come around? Because from my understanding, it was past your 20s. And you had already been working, living, not as content, like you said, but doing okay, doing your passions projects at night. And then YouTube comes around way later. Can you tell me a little bit more about like that time when YouTube came around and and what stage of life you were in? Because I think it gives a lot of people reassurance too, that maybe feel a lot of pressure in their 20s to make it now and social media is, you know, you got to be a big star. Yeah, you can also have awesome jobs, do your passion at night and then have it come together a little bit later. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? It came for me later. So I want to say to everybody, don't give up. I've seen people who I felt like, oh my goodness, you're not talented. You're not even nice. They did not give up. You can be inspired by a whole lot of people, but I'm inspired by people like, you have no talent. I, why? How did you get this show? Because I, I would see you in the comedy club. Bomb, bomb, bomb. But you know what? They kept coming. They kept coming back. They didn't mind the booze. They didn't mind the, the music being played. Kept going, kept going, kept going until they got it. Till they found their tribe. Till they found the, the people that like them. Till, till they, they had the right look because they were scouting in the comedy clubs. So it was like, okay, we don't care that they didn't do well. But look, he looks perfect to play this part and do this because he's bold enough. So you just have to keep going. Now, I was older and I think that helped save me a lot because I call myself the mama of the internet because I see these young ones and they get a lot of fame really quick. They get a lot of money really quick and a lot of pressure, you know, a lot of fake friends really quick, a lot of scams really quick. When it came around in my third, I was like, oh my goodness, thank you. I have a place that I can just do what I think is funny. I thought I would take the stuff off of YouTube and do it on a show one day because I kept thinking television, one day television not realizing that YouTube is its own vehicle all by itself. It's like the person who stayed on radio because like, no, radio was better than newspaper, you know, and you missed television because you stuck on on radio. So I didn't want to be stuck on TV when I realized the internet is a new world that you can reach everybody at any time. It's not like you have to wait till Tuesday night at eight o'clock. 
Yeah. And monetization, like you said, is so much easier too, because it's going right into your bank account. That's the power of it, right? Is instead of you having to wait till every Friday night or having to get you know, go to auditions and get cast and then get on. And then it's a whole process. You could just do what you wanted. Like you had the freedom, you had the flexibility. Yes. And when you have an audience, you can meet up with your audience before COVID and now you're getting back into it. You can have your meet and greets and you can charge. You can have your merch and you can charge. You can, I can go to the comedy club now. Like, oh, you got a show at eight o'clock. I want mine at three. You know, they're like, great. Because that's double because I'm not messing with the quote unquote, the real comedians, hardcore comedians. I can do my show at three or five so people can bring their, their families. You know, that's what I prefer to do. And to have my meet and greet and sell my merch, it's all good. Well, speaking of shows, I am curious, before I ask you my, my last question, have you been considering doing a, a show here on Fireside? I mean, I know you're obviously here. You've been on some other shows this could be the time. I mean, it's like, this could be the space for you to, to do more of audience interaction and to engage with your audience. Is that something that you're thinking about doing? You are very inspiring. And I have had a few meetings about that because where I am now, I kind of feel like YouTube, they see me one way and that's great. That's where the, all the funny and crazy and, and there's some serious interviews there, but for the most part, that's silly and funny. But now there's so much with IVF, having a, a child, marriage, divorce. I got divorced Wednesday, y'all. So all these things and in between that people are asking me about all day, every day. I'm having all these conversations about IVF and do you want to do it again? And, and I, again, I was older doing that. So they're like, it was a miracle. Yes, it was. And then divorce. And you can do it. When do you introduce your child to your boyfriend, like your family? Like, oh, it's too soon for this. I don't know about that. So you know, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. And like you talked about, I mean, you are talked about the queen of reinvention. You know, that's literally what you said. Like you, as you've gotten older, have continued to reinvent yourself. Maybe it's time for a bit of a reinvention and Fireside might just be the place where you talk about family and divorce and kids and IVF and all the things. And honestly, you're past doing comedy for all these years. I mean, that also is so valuable. And I mean, I know that's why I was so excited to talk to you because you just have a wealth of knowledge and I think it could be really cool. So I will say you have a fan in me if you do start a show, but I do feel like this could be the the next phase. I'm calling it now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Well, I do have one final question for you. And then I'm going to just maybe see if we have one question in the audience because I know we're, I could talk to you forever. So I want to be respectful of your time. My last question is, I know you've shared so many gems of advice tonight for people in their 20s and even after their 20s, like we've shared, you can still do awesome, awesome, awesome things, of course, after. But what is the one piece of advice, if you could say one thing to every 20-something in the world, what one piece of advice would you give them? One piece of advice I would give to 20s, and this is such a cliche. Let me tell you now, as somebody who's, I think I'm 49, I might be 48, I don't know, but I think I'm 49. Let me save you some time. This simple phrase, and it might be Shakespeare, I don't really know, but it's, to thy own self be true. I have try to be the comedian that I thought other people wanted, but I'm a clean, that's just me, a clean comic. And that didn't work, you know, in relationships. I'm like, okay, let me try to do this, you know, because that's what's going on. That's, that's what's going on. That does not work. I'll keep reinventing myself to come back to a new and improved version of myself. So that's what I would tell you. And I hope that I said it in a way that can be understood like you have to be true to yourself. At the end of the day, for me, 
I don't want my mom to be embarrassed of me. No matter what I've done, you know, I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, ah, I'm glad that she can watch this. And that is different for everybody. That's different for everybody. So don't tell my mom because that'll blow her head up. And, you know, you know, I try to play her daughter sometimes. But for the most part, like, I'm still like, can I just, you know, be on the television show? You know, like, because I want her to, to turn it on and tell her friends and tell her church folks. So do that own self be true. You know, what you want to do and who you really are, stick to that. That's what's going to work. Because the other stuff, when people are like, okay, done with you, so to speak, you know, you're like, well, who am I? I pretending to be this other person, you know? Because I wanted to be someone else. So it's really simple and hard. To that own self, be true. You know, if you're a goofy person, be a goofy. I'm a silly person. I'm lighthearted. I drive everybody crazy with my optimism. It'll work out. I get that, you know, but that's me. Yeah, but like we've said, that's been your superpower. And that's what's given you the life that you have. And I, I love that advice, you know, be authentically you. To that own self, be true. You know, whatever you said, I think. That's such great advice. And I'm manifesting for you. Let's say the Fireside Show, I think is good, but I'm manifesting a sitcom. I feel like that even more. I just, I want you to get that. Like the next, sometime in the next few years, I'm, I'm sure it's going to come together for you. And I, I really love that advice. And I think you're, you're really a shining example of that, of just being your authentic self and having everyone see that. And then, you know, there's a reason you've gotten millions of subscribers and millions of views and millions of supporters. It's because they see you for you. And if you hadn't been you, for the moments you haven't been you, it didn't work out. And there's a reason for that. When you were yourself, it did work out. And I think that's amazing advice. And you really are. I know you say that advice is cliche, but I really don't think it is. And I think you're also a shining example of that. So I really do appreciate it. Well, it's time for the Q&A portion of our show. See, we have a request. We'll take your question. Hi, Glazelle. Well, you're new to me, but boy, did you make a fan. I can see not only are you super authentic, but your connection to people, whether it's your massage or your theater or relating to kids, I can see you are just such a connector and your energy is so positive. It's fabulous. So I have a question for you that it's kind of a two-parter because, you know, there's a million questions, but one question is, what does it feel like being a mom now? And are you as goofy with your daughter? Is your daughter goofy? What is your relationship there? Because I can see how your three to five o'clock spot is perfect. You know, you appeal to kids and now your kid is becoming what a lucky kid. But I'm just curious what that relationship is like. Okay, my name is Glozell and her name is Ozell. So the comedy starts right there every time we say our names. And I am. Oh, my boyfriend's right here. Do you think I'm goofy with her? Yes. Okay. We have a lot of good times. We have fun. I feel like I'm kind of strictish too because I read that Lucille Ball, her kids were talking and like, well, my mom, she wasn't goofy. She wasn't funny at home. Like we made sure we did a homework. We did this. Da, 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 da. So I remember going, oh, okay. She's not sitting there. Let's all grab chocolate and throw it in our mouths. Like she's a mom. Like, you know, you have to do what you need to do for your child. So we do have a lot of goofy times, but mom is the one is like, okay, bath, teeth. You got to brush your teeth. We got to eat better. We got to do this and get to school and wake up. And, and she has a lot of activities. But I do think that she feels like mommy is funny and she's starting to get it because people, she's starting to recognize that people are coming up to mommy. Like, oh, people know her. So she's starting to get it a little bit and she definitely loves to be on stage. So she gets it honestly because she sees me. That's so good. Do you think she's going to follow in your footsteps? Do you get the sense she wants to maybe be a performer? 
a thousand percent. I feel like she wants to follow in my footsteps. And, you know, she gets a step up because I'm not trying to make her be a corporate lawyer or a pharmacist. She gets all this time to develop and grow what she wants to be also, you know, with people can help her, you know, like she does know the grinding. She already knows a lot of YouTubers. We love Miranda Sings and we love Rebecca Zamolo and Matt. She already knows all a lot of YouTubers. That's family. That's home to her already. Yeah, she has a leg up. But, you know, she might surprise you. You never know. She might come home and be like, Mom, I know I wanted to be a comedian, but I'm in college and I took an anatomy class and I think I want to be a pharmacist now. I mean, I'm just saying (laughs) the world works in funny ways. I did 12 IVFs to have her. I would love for her to be an IVF doctor so I get some of my money back. That sounds like a good plan. Oh, well, I'm so glad you got your miracle baby. And I think it'll be very, it'll be very funny. You said one more? At least one more. Yes, I would love to. Oh, that sounds exciting. Maybe you can have one pharmacist and one comedian. Thank you, C, for that question, by the way. Yes, thank you, C. Great question. And I agree. You're you're definitely a connector. All right. Well, this has been so wonderful. I can't thank you enough for hopping on and chatting with us today and sharing all your words of wisdom for our 20-something listeners and especially for our aspiring comedians and content creators in you know, the audience. And, and we just are so grateful to have you here. Please, can you let everyone know where they can follow you on social media and the best place now to like consume your content and follow your journey? Thank you so much. I am... On Instagram is Glozell. On Facebook is Glozell. YouTube, Glozell. And also TikTok, Glozell. You'll see that little blue check. So you know you got the right one. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is great. And I can't wait. There you go. I, I got a sitcom. She said that she helped me manifest that. Yes. You know, so my mama. Oh, yeah. I'll keep manifesting it for you. Don't worry. The whole audience will too. We're going to make this happen, okay? You can get that final check off your list. White House and sitcom, along with many other things. All right. Well, if you guys enjoyed this conversation, please give us a follow over at Dear 20 Something on Instagram and subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you get podcasts. All right. Thank you so much, Glozell. Have an awesome night. Bye, everyone. You too. Bye-bye.